Welcome back to A Journey with Dante and the second episode on the new podcast. And we're going to talk briefly now about chapter four, which is when the real climbing of the antipurgatory starts. We've been at the beach, the shores, we move through the landscape of Canto 3, and then they find this little opening and then they start moving up and this steep climb, which is the most steep <laughs> and uh, the hardest to do in the beginning. Uh, but there is um, a new idea to consider about what is happening in this fourth chapter, which is there's something about the focus that is changing from what Virgil is saying in chapter three and also Manfred, and somewhat more concerned about the pilgrim himself. And he also is then getting a bit more of an active role in this journey and the climb, in some ways then meaning that he is taking more um He's becoming more in charge of his own process and also taking more responsibility as well for his own learning and ascent. And we have we see this also in how he is he's talking more and he is being inquisitive here about, for example, the sun that is moving the opposite way of what he is expecting. Because they're now on the southern hemisphere instead of the northern hemisphere. So now the sun moves from kind of it rises in the east, but then instead of moving to the south and west, it goes towards the north. And this is confusing the pilgrim. And this is then also symbolic of a disorientation or a reorientation that we're now out of the inferno, we're out of, out of the first book, we're into the second. And it is a rebirth and many things are different. So it's a technique in part to make us reassess the context we're in and how to find a way and this orientation in itself. A little bit on the side, but orientation actually comes from the word orientale, which is east in the Italian. So to orient yourself is actually to move to, uh, <laughs> towards the east in the old ancient and medieval thinking. And that's also where the sun is rising. So what happens then for the explanation with the sun is that they are on the other hemisphere. So, so what the the horizon when they are standing at, at this little ledge is then the exactly opposite of those who would be in Jerusalem, which on, is on the top of the northern hemisphere. So, but we also want to put in a little thing here about the the image that they're using of the sun and the, the chariot of light. So he says, "I was stupefied as I observed the chariot of light." making its course between us and the north. And the chariot of light, he's pointing now also to the to the very beautiful Greek myth and story about Phaethon and Apollo. So we're just going to tell this very briefly here. But Phaethon is the son of Apollo. Apollo is the sun god. And then he's also the one who is pulling the sun as a chariot across the skies every day. And the son, Phaethon, has never seen Apollo, but he's being told by his mother that he is the son of Apollo. So he's telling this to all his friends. He's a little boy, but he's telling it to his friends that, that his father, his dad, is the sun god Apollo. But then his friends don't believe him. And then eventually he goes to his mother and asks, is it true that Apollo is really my father? And then she says, yes, he is. And you can go and ask him yourself if you're still in doubt. And you can find him where the sun rises. That is the palace of Apollo. So then he goes there. He meets Apollo, 
who is this incredibly splendoring <laughs> figure and the whole palace is just full of emeralds and diamonds and, and gold and beauty. And Phaethon asks Apollo if it's true. Apollo says yes and he says, I can grant you a wish also to prove that it is true. And then Phaethon says, well, in that case, I want to ride the chariot for one day. And Apollo then says, please don't ask about that. <laughs> Anything but that one single wish. Because the chariot is so powerful, the four horses in front of the chariot, which is a symbol of the forces of nature in many ways, are so strong and hard to, to control. And Apollo says, not even Zeus can control the chariot. But the little boy now wants to ride the chariot. So then he gets his will, and then when he starts riding it, the horses quickly discover that there is someone in charge of the chariot who is not very strong or very decisive or, or competent for that job. So it's a sense like kind of forces of nature now going wild. So the horses drag the chariot all over the place. They set everything on fire, everything on the earth and the mountains and the, and the rivers and the skies, the heavens, everything is set on fire. So there's a total chaos and there's no control from Phaethon. And eventually it goes so far that Mother Earth herself, Gaia, the goddess Gaia, is just exhausted and, and kind of has a big sigh to see you saying, if I shall die now, it's okay, but please make it quick so I don't have to suffer. But then she says, also remember that if the whole earth, the whole world burns down, the heavens might burn and disappear as well. So then Zeus picks up one of his lightning bolts and then he aims very carefully and then he hurls the lightning bolt towards the chariot and he hits the little boy straight on and then it says in the words of Ovid in the Metamorphosis that he's then removed from both the chariot and life at the same time. So then the little boy then falls down into the underworld and has then lost his life. And there's huge grief. Apollo is, is ruined. He, he refuses to ride the chariot for one day. So there's one day with no sun. There's only this little afterglow of, of all the fires. So there's a little bit of light. And then all the other gods come back to Apollo and says, can you please pick up, pick up the, the chariot again and start riding the sun across the skies. And finally, Apollo then does that. And then kind of the world is back and the sun is, is back on the skies. And some of the teaching or morals of the story is about the hubris, the arrogance, the pride of Phaethon here and the consequences. Uh, having uh, or not having a sense of limitation for your own boundaries and then not being competent enough for something and then the horrible consequences both for yourself and the world outside of you. And also the, this final that he's, he, he loses his life in the end, which is kind of how the Greek, Greek myths are explaining things. So uh, that's a, an important story. And it also plays into the first terrace that is coming kind of a few chapters ahead with the pride and the humility as the main, um, main kind of vice and virtue. And also the humility is again, one of the overall themes of the whole purgatory and what is necessary to approach the whole climb and the process of learning and self-improvement and the purification also the kind of 
rebuilding yourself with virtues that are actually helpful and long-term uh, positive and useful for yourself. So all of this is then just tied in with this little reference to the chariot of light. So that's uh, the main part we wanted to say about chapter four. So it's just like the, the focus is more on the pilgrim himself and, and his role in this climb. And uh, there's a reorientation. He also meets a good friend of him, Belacqua, which is very also humorous because this friend is lazy and he's using very few words. He has to wait a long time before he can start the purgatory, can get into the gate and start to climb with the terraces. Uh, but he also then says to, because we have like over two pages of explanations about astronomy in the sense of the sun and the horizon and the meridians. So Belacqua says to him, is it quite clear to you by now just why the sun drives past you on the left? So it's just a way of summing up all these long explanations that we've been through. His lazy ways and sarcastic words made me half smile. So then also you get the reaction from the pilgrim. So that's what we wanted to say about chapter four. It's a, it's a nice chapter in this whole, in reading Purgatory, because we kind of started the the work, we kind of reached the mountain, we are a little bit up on the ledge, they also look back down at the shores, so you get this sense of already after three chapters we've actually been through quite a bit of stuff already and all the things that are laid out at the beach for doing this uh, whole <laughs> whole journey of repentance and improvement. Okay, so we're going to stop it here, this is about 10 minutes, so um, hope some of this is interesting and um, if you have any ideas or thoughts, just let us know at a journey with Dante at awpodcast.com. And as always, thank you so much for listening and see you again next time. Thank you so much for listening to A Journey with Dante. If you enjoyed some of this, you can listen to the other episodes or also go to our YouTube channel, which is called A Journey with Dante. And you can also support us and get extra materials at patreon.com slash ancientworld. Thank you so much for listening and see you again in another episode.